Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for this day that you have made. Thank you that we have come to the gathering of those you have redeemed with your precious blood. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. There are many, Lord. There are truckloads and trainloads. Father God, there's so much sin that you have washed in this house alone that it would fill every crevice of this city with dirt and filth had you not come and cleansed us with your precious blood. We give you thanks that there is power in the name of Jesus. We give you thanks that the word of God reveals the power of God so that like Paul said, we're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord. There's nothing that we're hiding from We're not taking cover behind the trees, Lord. You have wiped away our nakedness and our shame. You have given us great covering by the name of Jesus. In that name, the dead come back to life. Things broken are healed, O God. Things sick are made whole. We pray that in Jesus' name, you continue to bless us with the ministry of your word. That your word would be sent forth to accomplish the purpose why we're gathered here today. That it would be a good seed planted in good hearts that would return a great harvest that would glorify your name. Good fruit, O God. Father, we pray that your word would be a lamp unto our feet, that it would be a sword, a double-edged sword that would pierce and divide between the soul and the spirit. We pray that you give us the reality of Christ and not the religion of of Christianity. We pray, Father God, that you reveal your purpose for our lives and speak to us face to face without any disguise, mask, or hypocrisy. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that convicts us of sin. Thank you you for the truth of your gospel that sets us free, O God. And now accomplish your work in our midst, Lord, way, way beyond what we can even imagine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. These are, the, uh, these are the portraits that face major magazines every year. Every year we see here in National Geographic, Time Magazine, Newsweek, uh, wherever you might look. I, w- I want to show these portraits real quick if you can help me back there in the media. If you find, uh, I don't know if you've seen them, 2,000 Years of Jesus, Newsweek Magazine. Uh, Newsweek, who really killed Jesus? How Jesus became Christ. Time Magazine, who was Jesus? This is every year. National Geographic, man of history, figure of faith. Another Newsweek, Jesus, his life. Time Magazine, the life of Jesus. All questioning in search of Jesus, U.S. Newsweek. Jesus, his life after death. The Search of Jesus, Time Magazine, The God Who Wasn't There. Just continually the barrage of questioning, who is Jesus? Life Magazine, who was Jesus? Time, why did Jesus have to die? All these portraits, Jesus at the the 2,000-year mark. Who do you say I am? Jesus online, on the internet. So all these different descriptions of Jesus is is the, the reality of what's happening in man's heart today. 
the reality of whether Jesus is a myth or he's the Messiah. Myth or reality. And so I have to question how Jesus fits in our life today. Um, some will limit Jesus uh, as the giver of eternal life. He's the one that purchased eternal life for me, but nothing else. He's a spiritual reality that forgives my sins and nothing else. But I want to say that Jesus is God. Amen. Jesus is God, and in the forefront of his introduction, um, the verse that comes to mind, I, I had it up here, Colossians 2, verse 10, that in him is, the, is everything that puts our life together. He says, in him you are complete. You are made whole. So everything that our life has a question mark and is missing substance is because we're trying outside of him to accomplish the sense of purpose. He becomes the head of every principality and power. Nothing begins without Jesus in the place of Godship. And we have an issue with that. We have an issue with that because we don't know how to relate to God, because we don't know how to act before his, uh, his presence in the reverence of the reality of Jesus as God. The replacement of all those other things that rise up in our life to answer the questions of the substance of all things in our life. And so it's sad enough um, growing up in a Hispanic uh, culture where the male is so arrogant and so proud. He says, he goes like this, I'm God in this house. Well, the first thing is your wife knows you're not. That, that just goes out the door right there. She knows you're a wimp. She knows you don't have the faculties to usher in the full provisions that God wants to make you whole. Make you whole. And so here, the description we have in Hebrews 1.3 is that he is the brightness of the glory of God. Being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Just those two things can take a lifetime. Forget about the next 15 minutes in the house of God. What is the brightness of his glory? Every man is, is out to pursue the accomplishment of success and prosperity. And because they are discounting Jesus in their lives, they're just a dark hole. I don't know if you've seen these men that walk around trying to produce um, the reality of God in their life. And, and so last night, uh, my son was talking in his sermon about if Jesus is not there, the, the name of the sermon was be real. If Jesus is not real in your life, the best you could do is mask, to pretend, to try and display He's talking about uh, coming to church and, and you grab a Bible and, you, and you're part of a Christian church. If Christ is not real, that's not going to last very long. You cannot substitute the brightness of God's glory. The express image of who he is. 
And so this was revealed to my life at the age of 16. Came knocking at the door of my heart. Let me show you my glory. Let me show you the plans that I have for you. I was like, that cannot be serious. What, what, could, what could God do with a numbskull? A total, arrogant, self-sufficient, immature brat. Uh, no place for my parents in my life. I knew more than my dad. I mean, know that. At 16, you know more than everybody. You have an opinion about everything. If you don't believe me, ask some of our youth. Ask some of our young people who, and I, I tell them this all the time. I said, let me ask you something. If you got to pick anybody in the world to be your counselor, would you pick a teenage young man with no experience and no wisdom? Would you, would you pick him? And the answer is no. I wouldn't pick that as the person I listen to. I said, then why are you listening to yourself? Why have you chosen yourself as your counselor? And so surely somebody, and I say it all the time, I say, I'm 49 years old, been married 22 years, supported a family for a, for a great many, two decades. You know, there's, there's mortgage payment, insurance, car payments, school payments. There's all sorts. How did you do it, pastor? You let Jesus do it. You let Jesus come into your life and show you the brightness of his glory. The one that's able to do way beyond what you could ever even fathom. That, that's actually the verse that brought me to the Lord. But I want to stay on this verse a little bit. What is the brightness of God's glory in your life? What is the express, uh, express image of him being the one? Him being the one in your life that's causing the priority it's causing the counsel of God to be in your life. He's the one that upholds all things by the word of his power. Everything is put together in his word. A young man, as I was a youth pastor years ago, 19 years old, came up to me. I was 25. And he says, I want to kill myself. a suicide. He just wanted it in life. And, and I said, let me ask you something. You who want to end the life, let me ask you a question. What, he had grown up in Christian school his whole life. What in this book are you disobeying? What are you doing that you're not doing it like it says in the word of God? He says, all of it. I disobey God in everything that's written in that book. My life is falling apart. I said, well, you imagine what would happen if you began to make this the Rule of law, the, the guiding direction and light in your life, it upholds all things by the word of his power. And so here, I, I just want to encourage you that wherever your portrait of your Newsweek and Time magazine that you say about Jesus, you contemplate making Jesus Christ the God of your life. The God of your life. And so for that, we need focus. For that, we need uh, the ability to say, okay, what does that mean that Jesus is God? Jesus becoming everything. Let's go to chapter 2 
of Hebrews 1, and it's going to introduce us into that direction, which it says, since there is that reality, chapter 2, verse 1, since the reality of the brightness of his life and the express image of his person, let's give more earnest heed. Let's tune in a little bit clearer to the things we've heard, because if you don't tap into Jesus... There's only one thing. My son said it last night. He's seen many great men and women of God are no longer here. Why? Because they drift away. Because you begin to, to leave and you begin to point in another direction, in another pursuit, and you miss out. Listen, uh, I'm so passionate about this. I was talking to my niece yesterday, and I said, Niecy, one word. Just one word will remove you from the purpose and provisions of God for your life. One conversation, one hello, and you are disconnected for the next 15 years of God's plan and purpose. That to me is detrimental. It's super sad. I sit there and say, Lord, it's only your mercy that at 16 I say, yes, I want God, I want Jesus Christ to be God. I, I, I go out and I tell all my friends, listen, Jesus is real in my life. It's not a, I didn't say I'm going to church, I got religion. I said Jesus is my God and my Savior. Amen. And so my friends got very upset. And so one of my friends that is here, he says, look, Joaquin, I love you, man. We've been together since we were 12 and 13. Now you're 17. If you ever talk to me about Jesus again, our friendship is lost. I will come to a right now and end. I'm sick and tired of hearing Jesus out of your mouth. I said, Carlos, if there's one thing I'll promise you is that the word Jesus Christ will never stop coming out of my mouth. 30 years later, Carlos is here, his wife is here, his sons are here, and Jesus is God. He's not religion, he's God. He's the presence and the express brightness of his glory. And hanging on to him is hanging on to life. Hanging on to Jesus is the only hope of God. We must give more earnest attention Jesus is not just the cherry on the top of the whipped cream. He's the ice cream. He's the cream. He's the essence and the substance of God. Not, not a myth, not a story, not a religion. And so here it is. What does it mean that we give more serious attention to these things we are hearing about? Listen, I don't know... And I know some people will, will have heard about Jesus. I, I've, when you see this testimony right here, they've heard of how God heals a marriage. They hear it. How does God do that? How does he bring back a dead person from, you know, from death to life? Uh, some lady called this week. This is hilarious. My wife loves this story. This happened this week. Uh, pastor, they, they call the, the phone. She answers the phone. Hello, spring of life. She says, excuse me. Do you pray for dead people? 
my wife doesn't know. This is a joke. Do you pray for dead people? So my wife, you know, she responds, no. I said, honey, you should have said yes. Every Monday night at 8 o'clock when I pray for the men, I'm praying for dead people. <laughs> All the women say, She says, no, ma'am, we don't pray for dead people. Uh, we pray for live people. And she goes, well, I'll give you two names for live people. And then who prays for dead people? So a wife referred them to the Catholic Church. <laughs> she did. I have to say that. For, for some people, they're not living Jesus Christ as God. It's not something that, you know, that, that we're, in a, we're in Hispanic culture. They have San Lázaro, Santa Bárbara, the Virgen de Caridad, Cobre. They have all these religious icons. So Jesus Christ becomes one of those things that we want to light a candle to or, or we make reference to on 911. If you exist, oh God, please don't let lightning strike me. That's the extent of their experience with Jesus. And so here the Hebrew writer is saying, why don't you plug in for real? Because if you're not plugged in for real, it's just a matter of time before you check out. In verse 2, it says like this. It says, if we don't give more earnest heed to these things, the word spoken. For if the word spoken through angels proves steadfast, and there is a result, uh, every transgression and disobedience received just reward. If, if, if taking... Here, here's what he's saying. He says, if those who didn't even relate to angels correctly had a consequence. The angels came into Sodom and Gomorrah and says, listen, you guys got to leave because judgment is coming. And he says, if the people that didn't listen to those angels, fire came and killed them, how much will be the consequences of those when Jesus shows up and he's speaking how, how more catastrophic will it be to those people who don't listen? If the, if, if the word spoken through angels, if the message, if, 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 if an angel flew in and says, Sir, God from his throne has sent you this message and, and hands off the message, the angel, if the angel went and gave it, and the people that didn't listen to that message received the consequences, verse, verse 3 what will happen to those, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. That means Jesus Christ being God is a reality. And if those that heard angels had consequences for not listening to the angels, how much us, if we are disconnected. The, the word neglect is funny. If you see it up there, how shall we escape if we neglect? Neglect is not an active word. It's a passive word. Uh, this is the example. People used to come into my law office and they used to say, you know something? I've been married for 20 years and now my wife files this, these divorce papers. I don't know why she doesn't want to live with me. I, I have no clue why she just filed divorce. I got divorce papers and I've, I've done nothing wrong. I said, sir, there's something called neglect. And neglect is not doing something wrong. It's not doing anything at all. <laughs> so you're not in trouble for what you're doing wrong. You're in trouble because you are a nimwit. 
You've done nothing right. Explain that to me again. Okay, neglect is the opposite of cultivate. Well, what is cultivate? Cultivate is arranging the atmosphere and the climate to produce fruit. So you're actually going out of your way not to do anything wrong. You're purposefully and actively fertilizing, keeping the pest out. You are, you're moving in cultivation. And right now, you're just being a neglectful husband. And all the women say, women love this. That's why women love roses. Because there is the hope that maybe the guy is gardening and he's picking up roses. Maybe he's going to start cultivating so he produces a fruit that's pleasurable and not thorns and thistles of bitterness and resentment. All the men should have said amen there. They're like, oh. Look, guys, Jesus Christ is God. And if you move in the direction of cultivating this great salvation, imagine, listen to me, imagine what is produced through a man who honors Jesus Christ as God. Not a Sunday religion. Not what does pastor expect. We're already going to church twice. Look, if your expression and devotion to Jesus Christ is the fact that you come and listen to two good sermons a week and the rest of the week you're tuned to the things of this world, you need to be born again. There, there needs to be greater inspiration than the pastor preaching a sermon on Sunday. And this is some good preaching, even though some of us are falling asleep. Go ahead and elbow your, your neighbor there so he wakes up. Nudge him a little bit and say, listen, you're in church. I've never seen you fall asleep when you're doing a business deal. What happens if we neglect such a great salvation? This is what the salvation brings. Verse 4. God coming alongside this salvation, giving you the thumbs up of the reality of signs, wonders, miracles, and gifts by the Holy Spirit because it's consistent with his will. Do you guys understand that that when Jesus Christ is not God in your life and he's not first and your devotion to him, <laughs> the, the, the three kings came bearing gifts from afar and they wanted to give their best in their lifetime, not to a little baby in a manger uh, in Jerusalem, but to God on earth. What is my devotion to Jesus Christ as God? No longer... Uh, the ministry importance. One, one of the verses here that religious people do all the time, and I want to share with you, is religious people make the text, John 5.39. You, you know the Bible like the back of your hand because you think that you have found eternal life through what you know in the word of God, and boy, you know it all. And, and this is the test, Ready? And, and, and primarily in the life of women. I, I have to say it like that. They, they know everything about everything. They know all the mysteries. They know, they know all the secrets. They've heard every sermon. Pastor, I've already heard this sermon. Listen to me. These only testify of the reality of God. And there is no reality of God in your life. 
You wouldn't be in the discontent expression because he fills all things, all the void. This woman in John chapter 4, she says, you know something? I already know that this well was dug by Abraham and left to Jacob. And you guys worship here and we worship there. And she knew everything. The only thing she didn't have was a quenched thirst. She didn't have God in her life. You think that you have found these things that testify of me, verse 40, but you refuse You're not willing to come to me that this thing will be more than spring of life, more than religion, more than ministry. The life of God with miracle signs, wonders is a reality in your life. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ being the same yesterday, today, and forever. What's that mean? That the full provisions of God have come over your life with, with unending abundance and expression. Everything lacking in our life. And you, you, you decide what it is. Um, February 14th, Valentine's, and I don't, have, I don't have a person in my life with significance. It must be that God doesn't exist. He's not real. Because my need is more important than the reality of the Jesus who has come to satisfy my thirst. To quench. That I would be mesmerized. This is 1 Corinthians 2.9. This is the verse that I actually got saved with. <laughs> things eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard. Things not even come into the heart of man. Or the things God has prepared for those who... Just recklessly surrender with total abandonment of any expectation in any other direction. Wife that's listening to me, do you understand that what your husband yearns for is to be, have his thirst quenched by the God who was sent into this world? The expression of everything, everything, everything. Uh, an Arab gentleman that I was testifying to, it was two months after the, the towers were, were thrown down, were, were destroyed. And he says, Pastor, do you think the Bible's going to give me my resident card after what just happened with these Arabs? Absolutely! In Jesus is everything! And when you, when you answer like that, with that serious quickness he's like who oh, you think the bible's gonna absolutely i want to testify he has his green card today Amen. he has god god opened those doors supernaturally probably only because of my response that jesus is the answer for everything man might ever desire Things he hasn't even seen. Things that haven't even... We've never heard about that. You have friends like that? We've never heard about that. We've never heard about that. Well, guess what? Open your ears and hear. Open your eyes and see. Ask God to bring humility in your heart, which is the key. Because your arrogance and pride is going to blind you and hold you deaf and hold you distant from every, everything God has for you in Jesus Christ. You didn't believe that God had those things prepared. 
I, I believed totally. I had nothing else to hang on to. And so Jesus has become the all in all. And Colossians 3 verse 3 says, If you were raised with Christ, begin to put the priorities of those things in heaven above those things that are sitting in the earth because you're, you died, you've, you've brought an end to a life without Christ, and now your life is hidden. Everything God has for you is hidden with Christ in God. So as we sit here today, I want to tell you that God's faithfulness for us this year is that he's provided Christ in bodily form, the image of the invisible God. He's been wholly gifted to us in the totality of expression, not as a magazine cover, not as your Sunday sport and hobby, but as God. As God to move in a direction that you could never even dream of. If this is true, if my life is revealed, uncovered in Christ, if when I come to Christ and I abandon myself to him, it says there in verse 4 that we're to, when Christ, who is your life, appears, when that becomes reality, then you will appear with him in the brilliant expression of his glory. Listen to me. My life, to a lot of my friends, is crazy. Like, you're supposed to be a lawyer. Do your lawyer thing. You're supposed to make money. Make money. Listen to me. I've died to that. And now my life is an expression of what God does without money. What God is able to do, listen to me, I don't know if you have a happy wife. My, my wife, you could talk to her. She's a happy, satisfied, because every day, Christ, God in my life is an expression of goodness, of mercy. Talk to my children. They see God in our life in, a, in a, an expression that is crazy happy, crazy substance happy. And, and this is not to boast in who I am, but it's to encourage you that if you abandon your life in this world that has no room for Christ, they will see the brilliance and the brightness of his glory. Amen. They're able to see not what you can do, but what Christ does. He says when, he, uh, when this becomes a reality, you will also appear with him in glory. It's not talking about heaven. Uh, I had the verse here. It's 84, Psalm 84, 11, I believe. Because what he brings into our life in this expression, yep, that's it. God is a sun of brightness and he's a shield of protection. The Lord gives grace and glory. Say it with me. The Lord, the Lord gives, gives grace, grace and glory. Where's the source of success? Where's the source of brilliant, phenomenal things in this world? When you begin to give him his place as God, no good thing will he keep back from those who walk in this manner. So a lot of you are finding your answers outside of Christ. You're, you're, the Bible says you run with a broken sister and, to try and, and you refuse to come to the fountain of living water. The source of all things in this life. And if there's something that our children, and this I talk to uh, children of divorced parents. This is super important. A great sector of our generation are in the condition they are because they've seen their parents lose. 
any direction but lose. And so these young kids have no hope in this life. They don't know where to find these good things that come from God in heaven. So here it is that they would uh, say, I'm going to do the opposite of what my dad did. My dad was a selfish pig. He was selfish to my mom. He was selfish to the family. He was doing things with priorities that did not concern God. So his life is not grace and glory, but the opposite of grace, which is disgrace, destruction. And the opposite of glory is shame. These are the things that come to our life whenever we want to replace Jesus with any other God. Instead of having the abundance of the life that he promised, John 10.10, there's a thief that comes to kill, to steal, to destroy, but I have come as God, not as a religious token of good works and that now you're proper. I've come that they might have life and that they may have it to, to measures of abundance. What's abundance? More than you need. Sufficient to bestow upon others. Abundant is a measure of God's blessing in our lives. It means we become a source. We're not coming with, I went to the wall of Jerusalem, the waiting wall. It was July 2007. And I'm coming up to this place where people are meeting with God. These are, these are Jewish Orthodox. They're up there at the waiting wall and they're praying to God. I had one of those guys turn around and ask me for money. And I said, don't you know that your scripture says that a righteous man will never beg? They will never. I've been young and now I'm old. And the righteous is never forsaken. And his children won't be begging for bread. That's, that's talking about if God is the source and the substance of the reality in your life. Your devotion. You're, you're setting yourself apart to pursue God. And so the expression is abundance. So obviously he, he turned around and, and walked off because we're not beggars. We're not forsaken. We have the source of abundance. We provide the, the direction. We have the resource. The, the most powerful prayers that we have is where there is no hope because he's the God of all hope. Where there's no way out, he's the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 12, he tried to describe this reality to his followers. And he said like this, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, whatever that reality is, greater works than these he will do. Greater expressions of, of the substance, not of religion, of reality. 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen. I leave you with this last verse because... If we don't start cultivating a simple and sincere, 2 Corinthians. If we don't start developing a simple and sincere devotion, let me find that. Mm -hmm. If we don't start developing the reality of Jesus as God and not as your 911 button, 
not the thing you do just to appease your wife. Do we have it up there yet? Yeah. 2 Corinthians 11, 3. Paul writes these words, I am concerned lest somehow the devil deceived as he deceived Eve by his own craftiness so your minds might be corrupted, disrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Uh, let's stand this morning. I don't, I don't know how you came to Jesus Christ. I don't know what the invitation was. I, I heard one man say this. When I came into the church, they told me that if I asked Jesus Christ in my life, I would have no more problems. That's how he came to the Lord. There would be no more suffering. Like the Brazilian false doctrine that says, para de sufrir. <laughs> That's not what my Bible says. The Bible says through many tribulations and suffering will enter the kingdom of God. Through many hardships, through many toils and afflictions, we shall inherit the things that God has promised. So today, last night my son was saying, you might even be a pastor. You might even be a minister. You might know the word of God. You're an ace. You're a champion. Boy, look at you go. And you don't have Jesus. You don't have anything. And you're not going to be around very long. Because he's the only one that's able to usher in the inheritance. Hebrews 1.1 1, 1 says that all these things that God has for us. He spoke in times past through many, many, let's go to Hebrews 1.1, 1, 1, please. He spoke through many vessels at various times. I don't know how many times people have spoken to you. At many, many ways, you, you've seen uh, incredible street preachers, you've seen huge evangelists, you've seen conferences, you've been here at church, your children have spoken to you in times past. He spoke through the fathers by the prophets. He sent messengers. He was able to usher these things in to give man access to the substance of God. Verse 2, now in these last days, he wants to speak to you clearly and relay the message, not through an angel, not through a prophet, but through his son, who is the heir. He appointed him the heir of all things. So, uh, I, I believe I've delivered the message. The inheritance has come through God, Jesus, and your devotion. <laughs> your devotion to God, Jesus, will also manifest itself with the brightness of his glory and the express image of everything God has for us. I was in Mexico visiting Pastor Medieros and he had a very important meeting with a wealthy man in town and he says this guy wants to speak to you and so I have made an appointment to have breakfast and the Lord told me wake up go over to the kitchen grab an egg poke a hole on the top small hole on the bottom blow and let everything on the inside out 
And then you get some little talco and you cover up both holes and it looks like a whole egg. So this guy came to the breakfast and he went on for like two hours. Ah, oh, because life. So you know what your life is? It's like this egg. Go ahead and crack it open. He cracked it open. What happened? It's empty. You have nothing. Your whole life is an empty pursuit. There's no substance. Listen to me. When you crack an egg, you're expecting something to be on the inside. When you have life, you're expecting there to be substance. Christ is a substance. And without Christ, I almost forgot this verse here. I don't want to forget anything. Let's go to John chapter 15, verse 5. I'm the lifeline. You're the branches. He who is connected to me and I in him will produce the expression of incredible fruit. But without me, you're an empty egg. You can do nothing. Let's ask the musicians to come forward. Father, today we've heard your word. And some of us only have the invitation to participate in church. Some of us have found a good church called Spring of Life. Good people. People that worship you. People that serve you. We found a place to take our children for good Bible studies on Friday nights and Sunday school on Sunday morning. We found a good place where we can have dinner and lunch with some people. But we have not invited the God of glory to come into our lives with the impact that everyone will see your glory. With the impact that everyone might see the brightness of your glory, the express image of miracles, signs, wonders, the quenching of our thirst so that we're not bickering, we're not discontent, we're not looking to someone else as our, our source, we're not memorizing scripture and becoming theologians, we study God, but God is not in our life. We pray that today, and Jesus Christ, the King of glory, will come and satisfy our thirst. Lord, that he would give us grace and glory. For no good thing will he withhold from those who come to him. The empty shell of a life without promise, a life without substance, a life without the expression of joy, peace, gladness for the abundance of all things. Jesus Christ, we've reduced you to a magazine portrait questioning whether or not you're a myth or a Messiah. You are God in flesh, the Word made flesh, or you are just a historical figure. You're, you're real in the life of other people. You're real in the life of of pastor of his sons but our sons are just seeing religion they're seeing that we run fast to other places because we are in this world without God and without hope we pray that you sit upon your throne in our life you take your place as God 
as our source, as our deliverer, as our savior, as our healer, as our provider. Father, I pray, Lord, that Spring of Life would not be a place where people come to religion. They come to Christianity. They come to theology and biblical studies and intellectual discipleship. But that we might live a life where we please and cultivate the salvation of the God who has come. The God who has been introduced to the universe. I don't know how we can have people introduced to God. I came at 16 and I said, Lord, I don't know if these things are real, but I need you in my life. I need a savior. I'm not prepared to bring anything to help you. I don't even think that it's possible. Come into my life and save me. Come into my life and be God. Steward my finances. Steward my education, my intellect, my thoughts. Steward my time, my talents, my treasure. I lay my life down before you. And I ask you to come into my life as my God, as my Lord, and as my Savior. Rescue me. Rescue me from my arrogance, my pride, my self-sufficiency, my self-righteousness. For apart from you, I can do nothing. Apart from you, if I'm not connected to you, I cannot produce much fruit. And so, Father, we thank you this morning for the word. And we pray that those that have heard this message might welcome the God of glory into their lives and go to this dark, desperate, and degenerate world and allow you through them to bring salvation to all men. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.